0: Several weeks ago, we started a series on 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to a broken church. You know why churches are broken? Because they're filled with broken people. Down through the years, I've had the privilege of talking to Methodist pastors and Assembly of God pastors and Baptist pastors. And while churches have some slight differences in our doctrines, All churches have the same problems because they're filled with people. All of us are broken, and if you're not broken, give it some time. Brokenness will find a way to enter into your life. That is, unfortunately, part of life. Now, apparently, when Paul planted the church at Corinth, he planted a church that he dreamed would become a church after God's heart. That's been our focus this year, to be a church after God's heart. But unfortunately, the church at Corinth had become something less. Now, we got a picture up there by design of a church with a crooked steeple because we've got one and we've talked about that and we're going to get that fixed. But there are more things broken in churches than just steeples. There are some things broken in every church that only Jesus can fix. And Paul identifies why Some things are broken, and in the message today, you're going to see that, and you'll understand your own church and perhaps your own life a little bit better. Paul talked about wisdom. Corinth, as you know, was all about wisdom, and uh, he contrasted two different kinds of wisdom that were in Corinth. You know, there's a wisdom that launches most every worldly movement. There was a wisdom that launched communism, there's a a wisdom that marks Marxism, there's a wisdom that marks all the ideologies of today including wokeism, but one of the things that Paul is going to tell us about the wisdoms of whatever age we live in or the isms of whatever age we live in is that all of those wisdoms are broken. This is not one of the texts that we're going to consider today, but I want to read it to you. Uh, to outline what Paul has to say about wisdom. He said, We do speak wisdom among the mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age or of the rulers of this age, which are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the, the wisdom which he predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this world has understood For if they understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for them that love him. The wisdom of the age, whatever age it is, if it's the age of Corinth or the age of the 21st century, is an inferior wisdom. It is according to Paul, the dying wisdom of dying men. But God gives a different kind of wisdom. So he contrasts the two different wisdoms that existed in Corinth, but he also identified two different spirits that were in Corinth. There is the spirit of the world and the spirit of Christ. And so those spirits are going to mark The kind of people that come to your church, people come to church with the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. Sometimes they try to make the church work by the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. People come to your church with the spirit of the world and not the spirit of God. And sometimes they try to make things work by the spirit of the world and not the spirit of God. Look at what Paul says now in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. He said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts With spiritual words. I want to talk to you for just a minute about the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are coming on Wednesday night, we're having a study on the book of Acts, and we're talking about the church in Acts. And one of the things that we've identified is this the single greatest need in the life of the early church remains the single greatest need in the life of the church today, and that is for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Now we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus said the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would be our helper and our comforter. He said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. Even here, Paul says that God's wisdom and God's truth must be interpreted not by the Spirit of the world but by God's Spirit. And without God's Spirit, we can't understand the word, the will, and the ways of God. The Holy Spirit is the guiding presence of God in the world today. The Holy Spirit is not a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. The power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God. A person filled with the Holy Spirit is filled with the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is God moving in our midst God speaking, God enabling, God convicting, and God revealing. And Paul says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. And then Paul gives us these three spiritual identities that he finds in Corinth. And they're not only in Corinth, they're in Lusdale, and they are wherever people live, and especially wherever there is a church There will be these three contrasting identities, and perhaps you will uh, identify yourself by one of these identities today. And the first one that Paul identifies is the spiritual man. Now, I'm going to give you three Greek words today that are Paul's words, and these are the three identities as he gives them. The pneumaticos man, which is the spiritual man. The psychikos man, which is the the natural man, and then the sarkikos man, which is the man of flesh or the carnal man. In the Greek, they stand out very clearly, and people could hear them as he talked about them. They knew contrasting, how contrasting they were and how different they were. But we're just going to use the English words to make it easy. And so first, we're going to talk about this spiritual man. This is the person who has received God's Spirit into his or her soul, and they operate under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Paul said in the book of Romans, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now we have people who are members of the church who do not have the Spirit of Christ and do not belong to Christ. We're going to see that in just a little bit. But Paul says the spiritual man is the man who has received the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of the world. This is the person who lives under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. They walk in the light of the Lord's guidance. They understand spiritual truths and spiritual concepts that can only be discerned by the power of the Spirit and the guidance of the Spirit. This is the true believer who Paul says prays in the Spirit, worships in the Spirit, lives in the Spirit, walks in the Spirit, and is in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he has one singular term by which he identifies this person. This is one of the spiritual identities in Corinth. The pneumaticos are the spiritual man. This is the person, according to Paul, who stands in direct contrast to this other person kind of person. The spiritual man is the person who is able to hold the Word of God in one hand and an experience or a teaching or any other spiritual manifestation in the other and is able to weigh the difference between what is true and what is false. But that requires the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Now we look at verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and Paul gives us the second spiritual identity. He says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or spiritually discerned. This second spiritual identity, and this might be you today, is the Sukikos man, are the natural man. That word means, by the way, the Greek word means having the nature and characteristics of animal life. They're just right off the street, right out of the alley, uh, right out of wherever, and they don't operate according to the Spirit of God because this is, and in your Bible it might even say, it might even translate it, the unspiritual person. This is the man without the Spirit. This is the person ruled by their passions and their lust. This is a lost person. This is not just an unspiritual church member. This is a lost church member. This is a person who does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They do not receive them because they have not received the Spirit. That, For that reason, they have no spiritual understanding. When they read The Word, it's a closed book, it's a puzzle, they don't comprehend it or understand it, and the problem is they don't have the Spirit of God. And Paul said, if any person does not have the Spirit of God, they do not belong to him. That person will spend eternity apart from God. It's true even if they come to church every Sunday, but they're lost, they're lost without the Spirit of God Jesus said, let me tell you what Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 47. I remember the first time I saw this verse and it hit me very hard. It says simply this, he who is of God hears the word of God. The reason that you do not hear them is that you do not belong to God. John chapter 8 verse 47. So we have... Spiritual men in the church, men filled with the Spirit, men and women who operate by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, and are in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And we have those who are not. They are unspiritual. They do not have the Spirit. They do not belong to God. And they cannot hear God when He speaks. A lot of times they help make decisions in the church. And there's brokenness in the church because of it. Paul gives three identities in Corinth the spiritual person, and then the unspiritual are the natural person, the pneumaticos man and the psychicos man. And the third one we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says it very clearly. He's not mincing any words with the Corinthians, and he said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, there's the word pneumaticos, but as to sarkikos. You see how clearly they would have heard it? I couldn't speak to you as spiritual men. I had to speak to you as men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? When one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? Here's the third spiritual identity. This man of the flesh, this carnal man, this is the person who does know God on some level, who has receive the Spirit of God, but is not depending on the Holy Spirit for leadership and guidance in their life. Rather, they're depending on human reasoning and the desires of the flesh and the passions of the flesh to make decisions about their life and to make decisions in the church. This person has fleshly appetites and attitudes. They serve in the flesh. They worship in the flesh. They pray in the flesh. They pout in the flesh. They are men and women without the Spirit who are trying to live the Christian life in the strength of the flesh alone, and it cannot be lived that way. It has to be lived with the power of the Spirit. And one of the things that we've said on Wednesday nights about the Holy Spirit is the power the Holy Spirit gives is the power for living, the power for loving, the power to lead, and a power to be leaned upon to live the Christian life and to accomplish the assignments that God has given us. We cannot accomplish God's work in the power of the flesh. We must accomplish it in the power of the Spirit, depending on the Spirit alone for leadership and guidance. That is basic truth in the Christian life. You must grow from being the carnal Christian who depends on the strength of the flesh and lives in the passions and attitudes of the flesh and a person who comes to depend on the Holy Spirit to live your life and to help you live victorious in your life and to lead you in making decisions. One of the things that's critical is for fathers in households. And I use Chad. uh, Ricky, since you're sitting where Chad was today, y'all are relatives, so you sit in the same place, so I'm going to use you For an illustration, it is critical for you to follow the leadership of the Spirit for your family, for your family to be in the center of God's will. You, as the leader of their household, must be in the center of God's will. If you are not in the center of God's will, they will not be. And I always considered that as a pastor, following the Lord's leadership, and we're going to talk about following God tonight, following the Lord's leadership I always considered was critical for my children not only for me, but God, because God had a will for their life. And I was if I was outside the will of God for my life, I put them in a position to be outside the will of God for their life. But for deacons in the church, it is absolutely essential that you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Not your own passions and desires. Not what pleases you, but to discover what pleases God. Because if you... As spiritual leaders in the church, lead the church outside the will of God. A whole congregation lives outside the will of God because you are living carnal lives and not spiritual lives led by God's Spirit and you're not men filled with God's Spirit. One of the problems in the church at Corinth was that people had attachments to past leaders. Paul mentioned that. Some say, well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus," And then you had that very spiritual crowd that says, oh, we belong to Jesus but in the church you know you can't get ever don't ever get attached to me don't ever get attached to your pastor love him pray for him but don't get attached to him because what you do is you're attached to a man and you should be attached to Christ Paul made that statement he said look I don't remember who I baptized Hunter is going to get baptized tonight Doug is going to baptize him I know it's not going to be a good job because Doug does it no that's not true it's not true It's not about who baptizes you. And that's what Paul was saying to those people in Corinth. It is not about who baptized you. It's about who you trusted in. You trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're following the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what babies do? Babies have attachments to things. You know, we get attached to pacifiers and we get attached to blankets. And we have to carry those with us. And sometimes we carry that. We had a little boy in our church at Hamilton. Uh, Jordan Busby, Jordan's grown up now and he's a, i think he's an aerospace engineer, but when he was little, he had a blanket and he brought it to church until that blanket was a rag. It was just falling all to pieces, but he had to have it with him everywhere he went. We're little, that's, that's okay, but when we grow up, we don't attach ourselves to people. We don't have those kind of attachments that we cling to. Rather, we attach ourselves to Christ. Don't let your spiritual understanding rest on mine. One of the things my pastor told me when I was 17 years old, and I went to his home to tell him that God had called me to preach. This is what he said: I didn't know it. I didn't. I couldn't figure out why he said that to me when he said it. But he said, "Eddie, preachers are going to disappoint you." Now he knew that. One of the things he was telling me was for me not to look to him and not to put my confidence in him because he was human. And the other thing he was telling me was, I was going to disappoint myself. I wouldn't be able to live up to my own standards. And if the truth is known, those of you who are very sincere have not been able to live up to yours either. The fact of the matter is, all of us are broken people. Whether we're the pastor or whether we're the deacon or whether we're one of the church members, we are absolutely helpless to live life, to know God's leadership, to know God's will, to understand God's word, and to know God's ways without the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul says about these carnal believers, he said, hey, you're going to be saved, but your works are going to be burned up in the fire. If you read just a little bit down, you'll see that. We'll probably look at that next Sunday. He said, you're going to be saved, but it's going to be like you jumped through the fire and just made it. You're going to make it by the skin of your teeth. I want to make it more than by the skin of my teeth. So he has three spiritual identities. One is the spiritual person who walks in the Spirit, lives in the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, worships in the Spirit, prays in the Spirit, and is in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He hears from God. He knows God. And then this unspiritual person, this person who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, doesn't belong to Christ, doesn't get what's in the book, it doesn't register. He hears the words of God, but he doesn't hear them because he doesn't belong to God. And then there's the carnal Christian, who ought to be more than they are, but they're not because they're still babies, still clinging to things, still pouting over things, still involved in foolish rivalries and foolish jealousies like we were when we were in school. And that's not the way it ought to be. So what your job is today is to discover your spiritual identity. Who are you and who do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that God wants you to be? Do you want your family to be in the center of God's will? Do you want, as a church leader, for your church to be in the center of God's will? And I ask you again that question I've been asking you for Sunday, from Sunday to Sunday. Do you want your church to be what God wants it to be? Or do you just want it to be what it's always been? And you need to ask that same question about yourself. Let's pray.